Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello to you all and welcome back to another episode. Now, if you haven't listened to part one with Master of Wine and Krabiel, go back to the episode before, that's episode 87. And those of you that have will know that Anne is now editor-in-chief at Full Staff. This is the place to get your feel of, as she calls it, the holy trinity, wine, food, and travel. So you can always go online to have a read of many articles, but they do have the print subscriptions, the glossy magazine. And I'm super happy to say that they've generously offered to send out five copies to you guys. So if you fancy grabbing a copy, just go over to my Instagram at eat sleep underscore wine repeat, and you'll see an Instagram post of me with the magazine, modeling, posing, <laughs> and uh, you will need to follow the instructions and be following me and at fullstaff.international. Now, if you're not on Instagram, just email me at yanina at eatsleepwinerepeat.co.uk simply with the words fullstaff and I will add you in manually as I do not want you to miss out if you are against social media or don't have one. Now, on to today's episode, we are dancing and darting around the wine regions of Germany. Germany can be such a confusing one. So I didn't want to make this episode heavy. So we're going to talk about a few of the lesser known grape varieties and lesser known regions. Before that, though, I want to take you to my winery of the week. So, Weingut Horst Sauer are my winery of the week. They're a super award-winning winery based in Franken. Now, we'll touch on that wine region later on. So, when I say award-winning, uh, German Wine Producer of the Year at the International Wine and Spirits Competition in 2004, 16 and 17. With the International Wine Spirit Competition, they also won Sweet Wine Producer of the Year in 2019. Under their belt is also Winemaker of the Year in 2018 from Gourmet Restaurant Guide, Gourmet Mule. And Horst, along with his daughter Sandra, who joined him as winemaker back in 2004, are the two at the helm making these awesome wines. Now, understanding the bottle a little better. Firstly, you will listen to Anne later on talking about the iconic Boxbutel bottles. So they are flat and bulbous at the bottom. Very iconic. This is one of them. On the bottleneck, it says VDP, Erst Larga. Now, don't forget, you can download the transcript, so go to my show notes and the link will be there with all the German wines that are coming. That might be a useful transcript for you. You will learn about what VDP means later in the episode, but basically it is a group of quality producers. And then Erst Larga is a first-class vineyard site, one that has been recognised for producing quality grapes over a long period of time. This is a super high quality and only Gros Lager is higher than this, which means Grand Cru. Es Lager, which this one is, is basically a premier cru. Now, this wine comes from Erschondorfer Lump, which is a steep south-facing slope with loads of limestone. Now, I wanted to get to the grape variety, as we don't talk about this one in the chat, and that is Shoyurebi. 
It's also known as Samling 88 or Seedling 88 in English. Now, it's a white variety and it's a crossing between our delicious and aromatic German friend Riesling with a grape that I have never heard of called Bockertraube. Now, you will see some articles before 2012 thinking that it was actually a Riesling Silvana cross, but that's now been disproven. It was actually bred in the more well-known region, Rheinhessen, although now you will typically find it in the Rhineland and Pfalz. It will still take some searching as this variety accounts for a little over 1% of the plantings in Germany. You're also going to find a little in Austria, actually even a little in England. We do love our German varieties over here. Now there's a little bit in places like Slovenia and Switzerland as well. Now, you can have this variety dry all the way through to sweet. It has great acidity, but still less than Riesling. It's quite full-bodied. It can be fiercely fragrant with aromas of like blackcurrant and then loads of intense florals. Now, I touched on the Pradekat scheme in episode 82, where I talk about all the ripeness levels of German wines. So go back there if you want to go over that again. This wine that I have is a Spatlaser, which means late harvest. So they have more richness and ripeness than a Cabernet, but slightly less than an Auslaser. Do look for these on the labels as they're going to help you get an indication of the style. They could all be fermented to dryness or still have some residual sugar. Now, one of the best tricks I found to help you is to look at the alcohol content. If it's something really low, like 7%, it's most likely to have a decent amount of sweetness. Then 9 or 10% is probably off dry. And when you start getting to 12 and up, you're going towards the dry territory. But as with everything, this is a guide and it's not 100% foolproof. <laughs> so this Echendorfer Lump Scheurebe Spatlaser 2019 says 12% on the back. So I'm assuming this is going to be round, quite full-bodied and a dry to off dry wine, maybe a touch of sweetness. So let's see if I'm right. Well, actually, to be honest, if I'm wrong, I'll just edit this part out and you'll, you'll never know. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, this is really rich on the nose. Like, think peach juice and lime cordial, that kind of power you get. Pineapple, maybe even some mango. And there's a real, like, sweet and sour vibe going on with some, some manuka honey. God, the, the intensity and the fragrance here <laughs> is high. Mmm. Mm. Okay, off dry. It is off dry wine. There is a little bit of sweetness, but it is rich, textural, round. Gosh, it's got a real mouth coating, kind of oily on the tongue. Now, this actually is like a hint of blackcurrant going on there. I think if I didn't know that's something to look out for, I would have this flavor in my mouth that I wouldn't be able to get because as a white wine, you don't expect that, but it's there. 
And then there's definitely the the tropical spectrum going on, but with some really nice cleansing acidity. Well, I'm actually very surprised with the power and the concentration of this wine. You can get this for 19.99 from Headley Wright Merchants if you look online and you're in the UK. And definitely with this wine, you want to do some spicy Asian dishes, you know, maybe firecracker chicken with that kind of sweet and spicy edge. I think even though it's very rich, if you wanted a lighter dish, you could probably pair it with something like a spicy crab and mango salad, Um, or maybe even some caramelized pork. So definitely I'm on that sweet, sour, spicy kind of vibe. So go check that out if you fancy something a little different. Right, now I think it's time to go over to the chat with Anne. Now I want to ask you, how did it feel to win the Wine Book of the Year 2020? That was with the Louis Roder International Wine Writers Award. This is for your book, Wines of Germany. How did that feel? I was blown away. I didn't mm. expect that at all. I did not expect that at all. Yeah. It, it probably makes you still buzz now just thinking about it, right? Yeah. I was just incredibly chuffed to be shortlisted mm-hmm. because that that in itself was kind of okay that is wonderful and what more could anyone ask and I did not expect that so mm-hmm. it, it bowled me over and yeah. um, it still bowls me over and I just think it's yeah it's incredible it was just so beautiful now beautiful are the wines of Germany and actually many of the regions Mosul oh anyone if you have no idea about Mosul and the beautiful steep hills just look it up on the internet and you'll want to fly there straight away but anybody who wants to learn more about wines of Germany they just need to find your book titled the wines of Germany right (laughs) conveniently yes it's like a very imaginative title isn't it (laughs) It doesn't need to be imaginative. It needs to be to the point. So, oh, I I would like a very minor overview. I know that that is going to be very, very complicated. Perhaps what I would like to do, we've spoken about Pinot Noir. I have touched on Riesling many a time. And obviously Riesling is the main grape variety of Germany. So I'm just going to, let's let's park that. Can we just talk about maybe some of the lesser known varieties, um, whether it be Silvana or, or I don't know, you tell me, what, what do you think is a very interesting variety right now coming out of Germany? I think Silvana is actually oh, a great okay. pick. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it is funny because when I was, it was, on the one hand, incredibly stressful researching mm-hmm. my book because I was always in a under time pressure. Yep. Because I was freelancing and I needed to continue earning my living as a freelancer while taking hours and hours and hours and weeks and weeks and weeks, weeks traveling, hours and hours to write. So it was, um, I always felt I was under pressure. Mm. Um, but it was incredibly beautiful to immerse myself in things and this okay. is also the same I can say about wine study yes it is hard it is time consuming it is you know you need to get your brain around a number of things but then once you give yourself to something once you immerse yourself in something it's kind of very enriching mm. and what happened to me in Silvana was actually I must admit before I researched my book 
Silvana was kind of, yes, of course, Silvana, it's there. But it was a kind of, like a person you see at a party, you don't know what to make of them, and you've never spoken to them, and you don't know them at all. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, you know, I visited winemakers who were, mm-hmm. you know, visiting an, an aristocratic estate that was amongst the first to plant Silvana and has done mm-hmm. this ever since, like for centuries. Mm-hmm. But also visiting a far more small-scale producer where they said, you know, our grandma said, Silvana never let us down. Mm. And I said, what do you mean? She says, you know, no matter whether there was frost or whether there was there was kind of a lot of rot or whether it was a hot year, a dry year, a cold year, a year of terrible plagues, Silvana never let us down. And so you must think that Silvana at one point was the most planted grape variety in Germany because it is was such it? a workhorse. Okay. Yes. Okay. And um and so it's kind of a workhorse grape variety. But then, like so many of these grape varieties that we sort of know as one thing. It's like when Cinderella gets to go to the ball. You know, <laughs> yeah. when, when it's treated with respect, when it's when it has low heels, when it stands in a when it's an old vine, when it stands in exactly the place where it should be. And then you then you realise, aha, so this is Silvana. And this is the creamy Silvana grown on Muschelkalk. Muschelkalk is the German word for Triassic limestone. Oh, okay. And I'm this, so glad you told me that. I was like, ah. Okay. Yeah, Muschelkalk means mm. just means fossil limestone or okay. Muschel, as you know, is like um, a shell mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, okay. um, Kalk is calcareous, uh, is, Makes is sense. limestone. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's a very literal language. So that um, is the best soil that Silvana can grow on, right? One of them. Oh, okay. Because okay. in Franconia, where Silvana is at home, it grows on Muschelkalk, on limestone, mm-hmm. but it also grows on that sandstone. And it's like okay. tasting those two side by side is actually eye-opening. And then tasting mature Silvana is even more interesting. And you just think, okay, okay, this is a subtle, subtle and nuanced variety. Because mm. Riesling always dazzles with its mm-hmm. acidity and its fruit and its kind of its huge personality. Yeah, and aromatic. And then Silvana mm. is far more... Subtle, far more quiet, but you okay. know, sometimes you just need that. Yes, that beautiful kind of restraint, but certainly a wine that, maybe a wine you can meditate over that you take your time mm-hmm. with, right? Uh, can I can I ask you a question? You keep on mentioning the region. Well, I say Franken. I say Franconia because Franconia. the German word is Franken. Yes. Okay. Ah. So I've always known it as Franken. So Franken is the correct German word, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ah. And so, hang on, anglicizing it. But do we call it Franconia here in England? Um, yes. Uh, ah. Franconia is Franken. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Well, I've always called it Franken. So there we go. Anyone else who's called it Franken? Franken it is. <laughs> Just to confirm. So, um, Franken is the main region for Silvana, right? Is it is, yes. is, is are the most vines dedicated to Silvana in this region? I don't know that off by heart. I haven't okay. looked at the stats for such a long time. Okay. But certainly most of Germany's Silvana is in Franken. Okay. Can you 
talk to me about the great variety. And now I've said, I know you've obviously said that it doesn't have that show offy personality. And of course, it can be very nuanced depending on where it grows. But how would you talk about it in terms of its acidity or its aroma or flavor profile? How can you describe it? It's milder in acidity than Riesling, but that mm-hmm. is easy because Riesling is super puts almost <laughs> everything else in the shade with its acidity. Yeah. Um, and what Silvana has is kind of a it sometimes has this nose of Cherville and mm. um, and sometimes of asparagus. Okay. Mature versions I've tasted can almost have, um, now what's it called, the vegetable? Salsify, scorzanera, um, almost okay. a sense of that mm-hmm. or of kind of fresh hay. Mm, or, okay. So it's kind of, it's not super fruity, but there mm-hmm. is something herbal and fragrant about it without Mm. it being green Mm. okay yeah yeah yeah. very very interesting and in fact funny enough I think I have a bottle I think I have to double check and I say I think I have a bottle on my shelf because it is a very funky flat bottle so I'm assuming (laughs) Sylvana is inside I'm going to check after we we speak so why does the wines from Franken tend to come in a very flat uh, stout fat bottle very iconic bottle is there a history it's behind that the yes um the bottle is called box boiter okay. and um people think it the shape of it evolved on the battlefield oh um, really because oh, from it like, can't fall away ah. but that then there is a far more oh. down-to-earth um explanation because box boiter means <laughs> a buck a billy goat's um bag a scrotum so it's kind of oh Attractive, Indeed. interesting. Um, the shape speaks for itself, <laughs> but yes, I uh-huh. yeah. Leave it there. Well, this is a podcast, right? So people aren't seeing anything through their eyes. So uh, if you want to think of what you've just said, everyone, now you'll probably be able to get an idea of the shape. Just imagine a scrotum. Brilliant. Okay, good story. And uh, every day's a school day for me. <laughs> is. Is there any other places in Germany that are doing this there interesting are one or two bottle design? There are bottles in Baden that are legally allowed to use that bottle shape, but I can't remember exactly the ins and outs of why okay. they are allowed to use it. But certainly mm. in Franken, you are allowed yeah, yeah, yeah. to use a box bottle. And it's a kind of, I actually quite like them. And you know what I like especially is when, when you have a Magnum box bottle, mm-hmm. which exists. And then Ooh, um, mm-hmm, there are mm-hmm. dinky little 125 mil box bottles. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think they even have them in Sainsbury's or I've I, seen... I don't have a Sainsbury near me, so I don't know, but it's like the handbag sized, sort of like, yeah. Mm, they're so cute. Exactly. Like a perfume, like exactly. a mini Chanel. <laughs> so this is lovely. This is lovely. Oh, dear. And it's something unique and it's something a little bit different, isn't it? So everybody... Go and go and check out Silvana and and this wine region, which probably you know everyone talks about Rangau or they talk about Mosul all the time, but Franken doesn't get that much attention. Could you touch on Franken? Where is it specifically, and you know its climate, just so people can? I think it's quite nice to touch on a region that people probably know little about. It's the only region, the only German wine region in the federal state of Bavaria, and. Yes, this is beer central, but so you have the southern part of Bavaria surrounding Munich 
and the northern part of Bavaria surrounding mm-hmm. Franconia. Um, so if you fly to Frankfurt okay, yeah. and you drive an hour or one and a half hours southwest towards Würzburg, that is Franken. And so it is okay. mm-hmm. moderately cool. It's not as hot as, as the Pfalz or Baden. Mm-hmm. And it has um, Triassic soils, either of mm-hmm. um, that limestone or of that sandstone. And both yeah. Pinot Noir and Silvana mm-hmm. are at home there. But there's also lovely Riesling in, Fra- in Franken. I just have a, a really soft spot mm-hmm. for these wines because they're mm-hmm. subtle. Okay. Okay. So everyone should go and check. And it's just, and it's not something that people are talking about as much. Um, what other wine style or wine grape has got your attention or you think is quite exciting um, at the moment? And you can't say Riesling. You're not allowed to because that's obvious. Something else that really excites me and that is Sekt, which is, okay. Sekt is the German word for sparkling wine. Yes. And for the longest time, it just covered a multitude yes. of sins. But now there has been a real kind of revolution. And so many people are making just stupendous mm-hmm. traditional method sparkling wine. And they do this with Riesling and they do it with Pinot Noir and they do it with Chardonnay. And it is just exciting and delicious. And it makes me very happy. Mm. <laughs> and that is why we are in this industry, isn't it? Um, am I right in thinking that if it says Deutsche Sekt, then obviously it means that the grapes are grown in Germany? Because I, is it still happening, the practice where there's just sect in just sparkling wine where they've bought grapes, bulk grapes from other countries and then they're making it in Germany? Does that still kind of happen? That happens. I think the greatest part of the production still happens that way because Mm, you can in germany you can go to any supermarket and buy a bottle of mass-produced sect for like four euros okay yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. because there is no excise duty and um mind you there is a sect steuer so sect is taxed but um okay you can buy mass-produced sect for very little money and it's hugely popular and they have perfected these processes and they keep churning out that stuff, which also, mm-hmm. I must say, gives many people a lot of happiness. Uh, it's not the stuff that I drink, but... Um, well, you know, if you want something lively... But and there has just... been a real, you know, like the, the word sect, the term sect has been rescued from the kind of scrap heap. And it's now becoming a really interesting category. And I just, yeah, I just love German sect. I just, having said that, I love, I love traditional method sparkling wine. It's well made Mm -hmm. from pretty much anywhere. Is there a way to differentiate, apart from the price, giving you an idea if it's super cheap, is there, will it say on the bottle, first of all, Duchesek to at least say it's German grape? Well, what you need to look out for is traditionelle methode. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or okay. another word, Flaschengärung, which means bottle fermentation. You need to look for some hint that this is okay. bottle fermented or traditional method. If it mm-hmm. is, it'll most like it, it will say so. And then um, there are other categories like Winzer sect, where it has to be made in a particular region from estate grown grapes. And but okay. I have to confess that it's a while since I looked at these categories and I have <laughs> fried my brain five times over since I have. So I can't I can't give you a little masterclass on what it's, you know, on labeling. I'm so sorry. Oh, well, labeling is the eternal dilemma and problem of 
beautiful German wines and people are just so scared because they have no idea what things mean, right? And it's just, if people get, an, if there's a few keywords, it helps, right? Um, I would say, I would point out to everybody, if you like a dry wine and you want a premium wine, look for Grosgevach or GG on the label because that will tell you you're going to have a dry wine because that's always the eternal struggle I think for consumers they say I don't want a sweet wine that's one indication that helps and you know it will be top quality because it comes from the uh, the VDP how do you pronounce the VDP um, Verband Deutscher Prädikatsweingüter perfect that's that's the VDP and Großes Gewächs is their top thing, and that means Großes Gewächs is basically the German word for Grand Cru, and it means that it is a dry wine um, from mm -hmm. a single grape variety, usually Riesling or Pinot Noir or Silvana mm. or Pinot Gris or Pinot Blanc, from a classified single vineyard made to very high standards. Yeah, in fact, there's a it's a big association now, the VDP. Is it growing where there's a more focus towards premium wines? Um, I think that they every year they have one or two new members, but then some other people leave. Mm -hmm. But um, certainly they are an elite club of really great estates, which yeah, doesn't mean yeah. that people who are not VDP members are not great estates because there are numerous ones that are just amazing. But it's like, it's a good shortcut. If you see that eagle emblem on the bottleneck. Yes, right at the top, isn't it? Right at the top, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know that it is from somebody who takes pride in making their wine. Which yeah. is also stupid because so many other people do. I don't know. It's kind of a, yeah, it's it's a good sign. <laughs> and in fact, actually, you touched on like the fact that there's Pinot Gris and Pinot Blanc. Um, rather than me, I will get you again to pronounce things beautifully. Could you let everyone know what that is in German? What that would say so, on the bottle? Pinot Gris, the German word for Pinot Gris is Grauburgunder. Mm -hmm. And the German word for Pinot Blanc is Weißburgunder. Now, the way I remembered when I was doing my WSET diploma was, well, Grauburgunder, it begins with a G, so Pinot Gris. And the fact that for everybody, Spad Burgunder, the Burgunder part is Pinot. We've got that. Once you've got that in your head, anything that says Burgunder is <laughs> Pinot. But so G, Grauburgunder means Pinot Gris. And then the Weißburgunder is a W. And I always imagine that W as basically a B, you know, on its side oh, right it kind of is like a bee and then that always helps me to remember that that's a pinot blanc so if that helps anybody <laughs> to remember the the words and what grape variety it means then I, I hope I've done my job so we'll we'll leave the grape varieties and the labels any other regions I wanted to ask you a question about the eastern regions because I know nothing about it because for everybody who's listening the majority of all wine regions are down in the southwest but then you have Saxon and Saale Unstut right in the east exactly you you do you do um and they are actually the northernmost regions and um mm. Saxony is is stupendous because it's full of palaces and wonderful it's actually oh. really a dreamlike little region and Saale Unstut okay. is far more scattered. So it's hard. Okay. Uh, it's along the rivers Saale and Unstrut. And um, Saale Unstrut is so small that most of its wine is actually consumed there. And if you are in Baden, it would be very, very hard to get hold of a bottle of Saale Unstrut or even oh, a bottle really? of Saxony. So it's a very, these are new and tiny little regions, even though I must say 
Saxony brings forth some amazing wines. And um, having said that, if I think of Saale Unstrut, they're also ancient vineyards that belong ah. to monasteries. So what you need to do is fly to Berlin, hire a car, mm-hmm. and then, you know, this mm-hmm. is where you fly to Berlin, and that's where you're closer. They're, they're actually, um, Saale Unstrut has, reaches all the way up to Potsdam, which is outside Berlin. Ah, so it's not far at all. No. And it's actually it's actually the northernmost um, little outpost of, of vines. And in fact, there are some urban vineyards in Berlin, but I don't think they belong to Saale Unstrut at all. Okay. So there you go, everyone. When you go to Berlin, that's, that's the nearest wine region. So you might as well, ch- if you can't get the wines here in the UK because they're not exporting or it's even difficult around Germany, what a wonderful experience just to actually go direct to that region. And presumably... They have some, the doors are open to do some tastings oh, in some God, of these yes, places. There are wine routes, ah. there are wine festivals, ah. there are, I mean, tourism. And, you know, like the Germans are such hikers because mm, hiking okay. is a national sport. And so you have, there is no region that doesn't have a Weinwanderweg or a, a kind of a, there are hiking routes everywhere. There are mm-hmm. beautiful inns and the wine regions in Germany are actually exquisitely beautiful. You know, this mm. people don't have that image of Germany. They don't think of Germany as a gorgeous country. They think of it as industrialized nation with really fast autobahns. But there are <laughs> gorgeous villages, gorgeous vineyards. There is a kind of art de vivre. And um, that needs to be, you know, there is something incredibly special about sitting on a cobbled market square in in a village of half-timbered houses. Um, there is something really charming about it. And then, as you mentioned it, the majesty of some of the regions, like the steepness of the Moselle. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful, more beautiful than people actually think. Oh, honestly, I, I would know because I, I when I, every time I'm Googling certain wines and I see their websites and you just think, oh my God. And of course, most wine regions uh, are, and especially in Germany, are around a river. And that yes, always lends itself exactly. to stunning beauty, doesn't it? So just to finish off on Saxon and Saale Unstrut, are they, because they are typically around the same latitude as London, and they're also like more continental than the other wine regions in the southwest all of germany's wine regions are continental all of them are is it a little bit colder it's a little more extreme these two regions in Um, in the east what is extreme is in saxony and in saale unstrut is um winter frost but Mm, the way the vineyards are is that they are in absolute sun traps so it's not uh-huh. necessarily that difficult to ripen grapes. What is difficult might be winter frost and winter frost damage. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so do they focus on white grape varieties specifically? Mostly, having said that, yeah. I've had beguiling Pinot Noir from oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you did say that Pinot Noir is in every region. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in Germany so people have no excuse to try Spätburgunder whenever you get there it's going to be easy to find a good Spätburgunder right fantastic um, you you will find Spätburgunder everywhere and Mm. what I have to say even over the past five years there's a lot more Spätburgunder here in the UK as well Mm. so no excuses everybody that's a nice thing it's no longer hard to find yeah and of course as we said 
better clones, better concentration. So everyone's going to have a beautiful bottle of, of German Pinot Noir to try. Oh, that's lovely. What's, just to finish off, what's the future for, for German wines? Any new changes? Anything up and coming? Anything people should look out for? I think people should just try it and yeah. get, because, you know, like, people say, oh, German wine is dry. and uh, But, you know, who are you talking to? To people who bought wine in the 1970s and 80s. And <laughs> this is not our generation. And what is so lovely is that the young winemakers in Germany have been around the world. They've got vintage everywhere. They come to London. Hopefully, we can, you know, there's been this hiatus in everybody seeing each other. It's, it's actually mm-hmm. tragic. But um, when we can travel again, like, yes, it's just, it's young and exciting. And these people have no hang-ups anymore about German wine. And this image that somehow keeps hanging around of German wine being sweet is now so outmoded. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, hey, it's just like wine from anywhere in the world. There are passionate people working their land and trying to express something and put things into bottles that is just exquisite, whether that's in Patagonia or the Ukraine or in Germany. There's the same everywhere. You yeah. and, and so I think that's actually one of the most beautiful things about the wine industry. It is, isn't it? And uh, it will constantly need to be explored. So never give up, everyone. Just keep on drinking one bottle at a time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh. Keep them going and compare them. Exactly. The best way to taste is to have a few on the go at the same time and then you can really compare. So everybody, and wasn't able to answer our question specifically in the episode before about Burgundy or German Pinot Noir, but doesn't matter. Just make sure you get a whole load together and come up with your own conclusion. That's what it's all about. Just try. Just try. And thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you kind of uh, giving us an idea of what you do in Germany and helping us on our wine journey. So thank you very much for your time. I thank you, Janina. It's been fun. It's been fun. And time has gone so quickly. Bless you. Until the next one. Until the next podcast. Absolutely. Take care. Now, do get in touch with me if you find German wines super interesting and want to know more, or if it's all just so confusing and you try and run away as fast as you can. (laughs) And if so, what is the most confusing part for you? Maybe we can go through this together and I'll do a few more episodes to help us all. Now, don't forget, you can win a copy of the latest Full Staff magazine, so head over to my Instagram. And as always, I will leave you with a wine quote. Now, it's still Women History Month, So I found one by Eva Flicka, the rising star of the Rangau region and a master of Riesling. Only around since 2006, she's been fully committed to organic and biodynamic methods of farming, with the focus entirely on terroir. She harvests on super steep slopes that have been abandoned for many years, which produce wines of precision. She was asked by wine enthusiast, what is your advice to somebody interested in entering the wine business? And I think her comment equally inspires those in or out of the wine industry. And she said, question everything, whether modern or traditional winemaking, don't let a moment capture you fully. Be you, develop your own taste, listen to what is good for your body and question it all again. 
All actions and buying decisions have long-term consequences. Drink organic, eat organic and work organic. Check wines for additives of all kinds. Maintain traditions and traditional landscapes that are at the foundations of our wine culture and support other producers who make the effort to do so. These traditions took centuries to be built but can disappear in a day in the name of industrialised and more profitable agriculture. Right, well, you know, there is nothing like celebrating people who bring communities together and look at our beautiful little planet with foresight and respect. So keep your eyes open for an Eva Frika Riesling and don't let those confusing labels put you off discovering the gems of Germany. Right, all you lovely lot, that is it for today. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and if you have, make sure you like and share it. Ping it up on your social media and let the world know. Check that you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode and leave me a comment, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts as it makes the podcast more discoverable. I will be very grateful for you taking a moment out to support the podcast. Now, next week, I'm talking with Victoria Daskal, who got runner-up last year with her Mummy Wine Club with the Judges' Choice Awards in the Decanter Retail Awards. We'll talk about engaging consumers with creative wine themes, the OIV wine management course, wine books, and loads more. So make sure you tune in next Monday. May your week be filled with positive energy and until then, cheers to you.